welcome back to another podcast. Um, I just want to say my first podcast was a bit sort of nervous, and that's why I might sound a bit quiet in that one. I, I don't know, I just listened to it a bit and didn't sound as good as it possibly could have. Um, in today's podcast, I wanted to discuss the different routes, 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 I meant, that's so right, routes to become a pilot that I have found so far. And um, I want to share them with you and explain how I found them. So there are um, integrated modular and then there are other sort of separate ways you can get into it by attaining certain licenses, ratings, etc. The one that I mainly want to focus on today is modular training. And that is when you do your training as of when you can, it's more flexible and usually takes about four to five years to complete. Now, when I sign up to one of these, I'm not sure when I'm going to sign up to one. I would probably think I'm probably going to sign up to a modular training course, probably by the age of 19, if nothing else pops up, which the aviation industry, as most of you probably know, moves really quickly. So things could pop up, so it's more than likely that something could pop up and I could go that sort of route into the sort of aviation industry so that's sort of my plan obviously there is also another training route that you can take integrated which is an intensive course usually lasts about 12 to 18 months and you pay out about 100 to 100 to 150 thousand pounds to the airline self-investment um very rare that the airlines sort of sponsor it um, there are some airlines out there doing things like that, but as you can imagine, the competition for that, amount of people going for it, is probably quite immense. So, unlikely that you can get on one of them courses. That's what I want to just briefly discuss to start off the podcast, and now I want to move into something a bit more deeply, which is where I'm at so far, because in the last podcast, I wasn't that clear and concise. Right now, I am an apprentice engineer. I'm not going to name the firm, I'm not going to name what they do. I'm just going to say I'm an apprentice engineer. What that means is that, um, you know, we have to precisely make certain things, components, etc. for the company and they get used later on down the line within the company. It is, um, it is quite complex, but there's a steep learning curve, but after I've got over that, it should be relatively straightforward you get quite a few engineering sort of qualifications which is really great um and that brings me on to my next one really how am i going to start my make my way into the aviation industry at the age of 16 years old so i've come out of school i've got my gccs and luckily i passed all of them and um i got some b's some a's some c's but main thing is i passed all of them at least with a c grade um, so where do I take that from there? Well, I have a few options. I did get the grade, I did get good enough grades to do my A-levels. However, um, to, if I was to do my A-levels, I wouldn't be generating much of an income. Certainly not enough of an income to, um, sustain flight lessons. And the reason I say that is because if I was to do my A-levels, I would have got some sort of part-time job or something like that to do amongst my levels on the weekend or something but that wouldn't have been enough money to do flight lessons really as much as often as I'd want to so that was the original plan really and I started really thinking seriously right how am I going to do this 
if you haven't seen the last podcast I explained I've already got all my stuff that I need to start um, so you can check out the previous podcast uh, I think it's called Everything Happens So Fast that was in the um, sort of I don't know what you call it like series of uh, Snap Aviation Talks so go ahead and check that out but um, so I've got everything I need to start and what I really wanted to do is I wanted to move as soon as I quit as soon as I could into the industry and start getting experience so I've started looking obviously at fly school I know what fly school I'm going to get but I had to look at other alternatives and that's when I thought of an apprenticeship um, all my friends except from one immediate friends that is uh, which is about five of us you know immediate close friends they're all doing apprenticeships one is doing uh, college but he's not even doing A levels he's doing a sound engineering course ironically um, and they're all doing their apprenticeships none of them are doing A levels also I do know people that are doing A levels they're not doing their apprenticeship for the same reason I am I'm doing my apprenticeship because I want to have the income to fund flight lessons so I started looking at apprenticeships literally last minute I found an engineering one uh, a company an engineering company that had a sort of a apprenticeship within the engineering field and uh, I had my interviews and I thought they hadn't really went that well but apparently they had they liked what I'd say and uh, phoned me up and said um, this is your start date and that's where I'm at today I've finished my first week at the time of recording this so if you're a bit confused if you did listen to the whole podcast last time Yes, I've filmed two podcasts today. This podcast is due to go out later on. I think I'm going to release this one in October at some point. So you'll be uh, listening to this later on. But um, yeah, so I'm actually in my position now where I've finished my first week of my engineering course. I've still got some work to catch up on actually. And um, that is what I'm going to use to fund my private pilot's license now in that aspect i'm quite privileged really because i feel really privileged even though i did get the grades i needed to do the engineering course and if i hadn't got them grades then i'd have to do my a levels but no sorry i put that the wrong way if i didn't get the grades that i got sorry this is I've done this in my second podcast, so you have to bear with me. What I was meant to say was, was if the apprenticeship didn't, if the apprenticeship didn't come through and they didn't like what I'd say, I'd have had to do my levels. Either way, I've got the grades of both. So, um, I'm in quite a privileged position in terms of that I've got this apprenticeship. That's what I was trying to say. So now this means that I can start my private pilot's license. Um, as mentioned previously, I'm going to be starting my private pilot's license in November, which is up and coming which is um, really exciting and it's all going back to my previous point everything does happen so fast as soon as I start this apprenticeship everything starts to fall into place it's a bit like with my apprenticeship I'm sure it's probably the same college or any other place of work it's a bit like starting school again um, you don't know anyone you sort of make awkward small talk um, and it's sort of like silence for the first few days when you have your lunch break um, we're starting, we're at the point now where we are starting to sort of just speak about normal topics, but, you know, not fluently, just sort of there are these odd moments of silence. 
uh, there's about 15, 16 Ross, I think. So they employed quite a lot of apprentices this year, uh, the company that I work for at least. But just talking about more about my private pilot's license, what am I looking forward to? Well, I'm looking forward to actually, you know, getting my hands on a plane. And, uh, yeah, as boring as it does sound, doing all the exercises. I know some people, you know, when they have their flying lessons, they just want to do their, you know, learn how to fly. But obviously there's certain things you have to do, like a steep turn, and that's just one of them. And that's what I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to having my skills test for my um, private pilot's license. I want to see how far I've come. I want to see the progress. And I think that's one of the main thing that plot the main things that really sort of interests me to become a pilot is you're going to be able to see progress no matter what profession or what license you're doing, really, because private pilots, you know, you're going to go from A to B and uh, you're going to be able to see, oh, well, I was that landing was a bit bad, it could have been improved. You're always going to be able to make them improvements, even all scaling it all the way up to a major airline. Because once you get to that sort of major airline level, you're going to be judging your landings if you're flying into an airport on VFR rules. So it's going to be really interesting, and that's what sort of interests me the most. I understand a lot of people have different interests i'm going to plug my twitter here um if you do want to follow me on twitter you can follow me on underscore aspiring pilots underscore and it's no spaces the only capitals are the a and the p a in the aspiring and p in the pilot and you can tell me about what interests you in the aviation industry and maybe what profession you have within it and uh share how you got into it because everyone has a unique story and i think that's what's really interesting in the aviation industry you ask a pilot how he got into it it's going to be completely different how the person sat next to him got into the industry and i think that's one of the most important things really is networking um i've spoken to so many different pilots on my twitter page that i just mentioned um and they've all given me really great advice and to be fair, would I be sitting here doing a podcast about how I'm about to sign my private pilot's license today without the networking that I've received? The answer to that would be no. Now, you might be saying, well, would you have just done your A-levels? Or why not? Why would you not? Well, I wouldn't have thought, really, like the way I think now, because all the pilots have been you know, saying, oh, well, the quicker you get into it, the better, and... Um, you know, you want to meet that demand for that pilot shortage as quickly as you can. I was planning on doing my A-levels, but the way he made me think was, actually, no, they're right. I need to, I'll need to get into this quickly. I want to get into it quickly. If I do my A-levels, I'm going to come out of my A-levels. I'm not going to have my private pilot's license. I'm not going to have, I'm, not, I'm going to come out of my A-levels without a job. At the end, at least at the end of my apprenticeship, I've sort of secured employment. So, either way, whatever happens, whether I do manage to follow the sort of tree or whatever you want to call it, the scale all the way up um, and become an airline pilot, and if I can't, well, at least I've got my engineering qualifications. At the end of the day, I've got something to fall back on. I think that's what's really important. I think that's where some people go wrong. You need, you do need, you know, I once heard a quote saying, 
don't have a plan B because it will distract you from plan A. But what you've got to remember is, is well, if you have one plan, which I do mainly, you know, to become a commercial airline pilot, well, what about if something goes wrong? What is the plan B? If I haven't uttered an eyelid to think, hang on, what's going to, what's going to happen? You know, I'm going to have to do something completely different, then I'm not going to have anything in place. So the way I see it is, I may not have A-levels, yes, that's a bit of a disadvantage, but at least A, I've got a bit of employment to fall back on, and B, I'm going to have the opportunity to get my pilot's licences at the same time. I'm fully aware some people have done their A-levels and somehow managed to, well, well, not somehow, obviously they managed to get a job and sort of work their, work their way up, save the money and went through an integrated training course or even a modular. But that wouldn't work for me because I wouldn't want to have to wait another two years. I can't imagine waiting another two years. Coming out of my A-levels, I'd be 19 years old because um, it's two years, but because of when my birthday is, I'd be closer to 19 than 18. And um, I'd have no flying experience. And I want to be in a comfortable position where I can actually go, yeah, I do have employment to fall back on. Yes, well, again, I do want to just sort of iterate that point. That is, I think that is really important. I can't really sit here and, you know, say anything about being a pilot because clearly I'm not one yet and I'm going to start my train. I will keep saying that throughout these podcasts. But I do feel I'm in a position to offer a bit of advice in terms of what I've said so far because... I have reached out to so many people. I have learned from them. Um, and I don't think necessarily you have to be in that sort of high up position where some people are on my Twitter page, like actual pilots, to give advice to other people um, if you've done your research, if you've learned enough. I just think the aviation industry in itself is really helpful. Everyone is really nice. And um, it's just, you know, really helpful. Now, we're going to cover something right now that um, I've never really, I haven't covered yet. And I'm only 16. I've only had three interviews, including the one that I had for college. Um, But so far, every interview that I've had, I've, you know, haven't walked away feeling great, but I've at least walked away feeling all right about them. And I'm just going to first discuss um, my interview tips. Now, this isn't really aimed at obviously people who are in employment or, you know, maybe older than me. Uh, it's maybe aimed at you know school leavers. But um, I don't know if you're 30, 40, 50 years old looking for a job. Maybe I can say something now that might help you. I'm not too sure, but I'm going to say it anyway because we need to fill up this podcast. And, uh, you know, two interviews with two separate establishments, organisations that I've both been accepted to. So I'm just going to give a bit of advice anyway. So I'm going to give a few tips. Um, My first tip is don't be overly confident. Um, And the reason I know this is an actual legit thing is because when I went to for my engineering thing, my engineering apprenticeship, there was a boy who came in in a suit, all dressed up, and he was way overly confident. He was literally overdressed for the event. He was the same age as me, 16, and it's an engineering environment. 
no one is wearing a suit in the engineering environment. Yes, I was in interview clothes, I was in uh, smart black trousers, I had a long sleeve shirt on, um, a grey sort of long sleeve shirt with a tie. Was I wearing a suit, a blazer? No, I was not. Why? Because you have to understand what environment you're going for. Um, I just moved my chair and it's all made that sort of sound, so... I hope I'll do it again, if you pick that up, whatever, but anyway. Um, you've got to know the environment that you're being interviewed for. If you're going for an accounting job, or accounting apprenticeship, should I say, because this is aimed at, but obviously pick it up along the way if you can. That's when you might feel suitably dressed to maybe wear a suit, but if you're just going for a college interview, or your first apprenticeship, in something may an establishment or organization that maybe isn't not professional but you know not expecting you to come into a suit you've got to know your company really um i know that an engineering environment common sense really denotes this now obviously there are going to be um it's not going to be like serious serious and i'm right in saying that it's not serious serious uh it's all a bit everyone has a bit of a joke and uh laugh in the engineering environment that i work in at the moment it just helps us to get through the day because the days are long but um that's sort of what denoted that sort of dress code now i'm not saying that to come into a suit it would be wrong um he he's not i'm not saying the person who did come in a suit to the engineering apprenticeship interview was uh, doing the wrong thing by doing that but he did walk in overly confident along with his sort of full-on suit so basically what am what I trying to get at what I'm trying to say you should know your environment where are you going for your um, interview and that's sort of what I would say to school leavers um, if you're going for something like college even the college interview I just went wearing casual clothes but they're smart casual clothes I didn't go in with like casual clothes that I'd wear going to like a family function or going out to the cinema. I wore casual clothes that sort of mirrored um, uh, interview sort of look. I had a smart jumper on um, and a smart t-shirt under that. No, that's no, I didn't. I had a jumper that was quite smart and I had my school shirt on under that just for my school trousers. So never overdress if you don't have to you don't want to give the impression that you're being cocky or you're overconfident my sort of that's sort of the first tip i'm going to sort of end it here with the tips i'm just going to say one more thing that's just popped to mind um and that is during the interview you should probably good idea to make contact with eye contact with the interviewer um not only will it make you feel more at ease with, you know, when they're asking the questions, but you'll be able to read your interviewer more. Uh, just give you an example, when I had my uh, engineering apprenticeship interview, there was two people in the room, two managers, and they were sort of sat separate. And I think they'd done this on purpose. One was sat on towards, like, literally on the table, right next to the table in his, in his chair. The other one was sat a bit more far back, so it's hard to make eye contact with them both at the same time. Now, the rule that I applied when I was in that situation was I'd just look at the person who was talking and then occasionally look at the other manager. Now, 
why do I say why why would you not look at you know both of them just like periodically you know every two seconds switch eye contact with the other manager the reason I say that is because it's just a bit sort of not disrespectful I don't think it's right that you sort of don't make eye contact with the person that's speaking I think it's like common sense almost maybe I was wrong and again like you know I'm it's only my second I've had three interviews it was my second interview for an actual position within a company so maybe I'm wrong you know be other people out there who've had loads more interviews than me and may say I'm wrong about these tips but I want to say these tips more towards the school leavers because when I came out of my sort of school leavers there was no sort of instruction or teaching on how to handle an apprenticeship interview so if you're thinking about doing an apprenticeship they're my top tips really I'm going to round the podcast off now um, don't forget I still don't know what you can do really with these podcasts if you can like them I know you can share them so definitely give it a share um, tell someone about it because we're always going to speak about aviation um, I know we went a bit off topics today but the whole podcast there should be something about aviation in it which obviously I've talked about the different routes today and I'll always try and do that at the start and then I might go off a bit of tangent like I did today but yeah, give it a share, tell someone. And uh, I think you can like it, I don't know. If you can, do it, share it, follow my Twitter. Um, that really helps out. Uh, yeah, I plugged it earlier, so I'm not going to plug it again. But thanks so much, and I'll catch you guys in the next podcast.